Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hello, and welcome to the Circling the Bases podcast, proudly presented by NBC Sports Edge. Sorry, I'm a little tired. That's Understandably, okay. I think. <laughs> My name is DJ Short, and with me here once again is Christopher Crawford, here for a bonus edition of the pod. Uh, Friday night, we usually don't do this. Um, usually I'm, I'm watching something on Netflix, or I'm frustrated at the Mets somewhere, but uh, <laughs> but we really have to do this with the, the craziness of the MLB trade deadline, and uh, we're, we're live on the NBC Sports Edge YouTube channel right now. We are live on the uh, NBC Sports Edge Twitch page as well. So welcome to our audiences there. And honestly, Chris, I, I don't even know where to begin here. Uh, this was, <laughs> this was maybe, maybe like the single craziest 24 hours I can remember here in my time at NBC Sports Road yeah. World. NBC yeah. Sports Edge. It's I can't yeah. really compare it to anything, um, except maybe like a winter meetings. Sure. But even that is maybe over, overshooting it. Yeah, absolutely. Because at least the winter meetings, it's like it's spread out. You know what I mean? Even on days where you get a few signings, it's like something happens at about 10 a.m., 1 p.m., 4 p.m. It's almost like the NFL, but like schedule these signings. Yeah, everything came at once. And yesterday, like. I, as I was doing a news shift was insane because you had the Max Scherzer stuff and it looked like Max Scherzer was going one place. And then all of a sudden it just kind of came out of nowhere that something completely different was happening and another player was coming with him. And Oh, by the way, that player just happens to be one of the 10 best players in baseball. Like, and that I think trade kind of almost gets forgotten about just because of so how much activity we got today. I mean, there are, yeah. and that is just, it was nuts. It was fun to see, though. It's very fun to see so many teams trying, and that's what I uh, that's what I like about uh, this kind of year is where we have so many teams that are still in contention. It allowed a lot of teams to make different kinds of moves. I had a blast. Right. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't so much. I, I think this season hasn't completely played out the way that we thought in various ways. You know, the Yankees they were probably the odds on favorite. You know, if not the Dodgers, probably the Yankees. Um, but then you have the Giants being a huge surprise in the NL right. West, where you have all three of those teams in the NL West really duking it out. Um, you have the Red Sox being a huge surprise. So it, I, I think it hasn't been like chalk that we thought coming into the year. And no. that's really 
that's really opened things up a bit. And also the NL East has been a huge disappointment. Number of injured players as well. But, I mean, imagine six months ago if someone told you, yeah, the Nationals are just going to totally sell off everything. I, I don't know if I would have believed that, you know? No, no, absolutely not. It's like, and I saw somebody tweet something very funny, and I'm sorry I don't have the name, but uh, they said, oh, you're a fan of the Nationals, named 10 of their players. It's like, <laughs> you look at that, you look at that roster right now, it's just right. totally different. And But it's fun. It's like, there are four te- three teams now that still have a chance, I guess, to win, especially, unfortunately, yeah. with the Jacob deGrom news. I mean, that is yeah. massive, and, it, and it's something that we can talk about. And the other thing I kind of love today is that we saw all sorts of trades. You had your, your quick two-month rentals. We saw guys who were going to be in organizations for another couple of years, like Jose Barrios getting moved for a very wealthy package, I must say. It shocked me to see how much he got, and then... Um, it kind of shocked me to see how little Chris Bryant went for, to be completely honest with you. So, like, just the juxtaposition of those type of moves, it's really fun. Yeah, and I, I think the other thing is about not just the players switching hands, but the money and the, the salaries. Which side is paying the salary, I think, impacted the return package as far as prospects. Whereas, like, the Giants are paying Bryant's salary, so therefore the Cubs couldn't ask for as much in return whereas right. with the Mets the Cubs are covering Javi Baez's salary so they got Pete Crow on Armstrong you know right. so there's that dichotomy as well which I thought was pretty fascinating yeah absolutely and like you saw with even with Anthony Rizzo one of the more interesting trades I thought there because Kevin Alcantara and Alexander Viscano are extremely talented guys immediately guys who go in their top 10 moved for a first baseman who has been kind of middling over the last two years. I mean, but when you're literally not paying Anthony Rizzo to pay you, it makes more sense to move those type of prospects. So um, it's, it's just been so fun. I thought the Pete Crow Armstrong trade was very interesting as well. Like Javi Baez is, you know, a very flawed player, but he's that type of player who can help you win a world series. I mean, he's just, I mean, he has the flair for the dramatic, but outside of the fact that he doesn't take a lot of pitches he helps you in a lot of ways. He's a, a solid defensive player that occasionally makes the occasional mental gap, has lots of power. And, you know, we can talk about whether or not you believe in clutch or not. Javi Baez is built different. That is a guy who just kind of seems to have the wherewithal to make those type of plays. So, like, look, moving a, a Pete Cor Armstrong is something maybe the Mets regret in four or five years. But Javier Baez could be the guy that is put on poster boards for a long time as one of the guys who helped the Mets clinch the NLCS, that type of thing too. Right. The way I kind of think of it is like, he's capable of going on a run that Mets fans saw with Ioannis Cespedes, you know, six years ago. Sure. Like I could really see that happening. And also just adding some more swagger to that team, A lot, uh, some more attitude. Like I think that could really, you know, juice up the other players too. And and him having a relationship uh, with Francisco Lindor, a pre-established relationship. Sure. Um, and when Lindor comes back, he can slide over to, to second base. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's that's huge too. So um, yeah, I, 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 you know, you mentioned the DeGrom news. So my issue with the, with the Mets, we'll start here. We'll go in all sorts of directions after this, but just to get my Mets stuff, out of the way in the very beginning. So earlier this week, I sent out this tweet kind of saying why the Mets rotation is is so vulnerable. And this was thinking that Jacob DeGrom was probably going to come back at some point. 
Now it's best case scenario, September, who knows? Um, so when I, you know, when I made that tweet, I was kind of like, they need to get a starter, even if DeGrom is coming back, sure. a depth piece was all I wanted. So Trevor Williams, not, not, not great, underwhelming, but a, a body a depth piece. That's sure. all I think they needed, right. but they learned about this inflammation with the Grom renewed inflammation around one or 2 PM Eastern time this afternoon. So to not go out and get another starting pitcher, you know, a tier higher, at least a middle to back end rotation piece that you could count on. I think that was a huge mistake. And I think it'll likely play out that way as the season continues because Taiwan Walker's running into workload issues he has barely pitched over the past four years you know right um, marcus stroman didn't pitch last year which could be good but it could also be bad right um tyler mcgill he's already up against his professional innings cap sure. that he's ever thrown um so and rich hill is like the oldest pitcher in baseball and has all those blister issues yeah. too so like sure. there's so many questions that rotation i just think it's the potential for disaster is there yeah, absolutely. I would agree with that. And I, I do understand that, like, one thing people don't quite understand is sometimes these trades can come together real quick, but a lot of times these things are built days in advance. But mm -hmm. the thing is, the Mets should have been, yes, okay, they just found out about the, the inflammation, but they should have been preparing for a worst case scenario with the Grom. You just have to, yeah. you have to kind of do it with pitchers anyway, but especially an injured pitcher, one who has had Unfortunately, a few knocks this year, you know, all kind of little different things, but it's something that adds up. Yeah, I think that was a mistake. And just get to, well, you get into your Mets thing. I'll get into my Mariner thing. Like, look, they got worse, I think, or at the very best, they got linear. And my issue with it, for everybody who was paying attention to me, uh, basically upset on Twitter, um, is that they didn't say they were going to go linear. They said that they were they were looking in and you they they did this big spiel about how all of the moves were going to make sense to make them better for 2021. At least that's how I took them. I don't see how you can look at what Seattle did and say that they're better for 2021. Yeah. Well, I certainly agree. I think what the Mariners did or didn't do, didn't do sort of told me that they don't that he doesn't believe in them being a winner this year. Nope. Which I don't think is crazy, but no, I like, don't either. That's I that's a bad message to send to your clubhouse it and really your manager. And I just, I think they should have at least done something. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing there too is like, yes, you can't compare like the failures of 2012 and 2013 to 2021 or any specific year, but it has been 20 years since this team has made the playoffs. They were just the face of the, um, the whole prospect thing with Kevin Mather and his comments on top of his yeah. abhorrently racist comments as well. On top of that, a lot of comments about not really caring about winning and uh, holding prospects down and stuff like that. This is just another bad optic for an organization that has had an awful lot of them. Um, I'm just sad for grandma. Grandma's 91. I can't keep telling her that they're going to keep rebuilding. It's very difficult to sell that to a 91 year old. Right. Totally understandable. Yeah. So this has been a crazy 24 hours in sports, the NBA draft. Uh, I don't know if you watched the U.S. Uh, women's national team this morning, the, the I, soccer game, which was. I did. That was nuts. totally stressful and <laughs> yeah. intense, yeah. Uh, but they won. So that, yeah. that was that was nice in, was. in a uh, penalty shootout there at the yeah. end. So 
Uh, if you've been paying attention to the Olympics, you can hear the Olympics like you've never heard them before with the podium and NBC Olympics podcast. Follow along with host Lauren Shahadi as we bring you deep into the stories and behind the curtains each day during the Tokyo Olympics. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. And Team USA uh, baseball played their first game today, too. They they won as well. So that's been uh, it's funny to watch those games because there's like a couple of players on each team where you're like, oh, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Like randomly, Todd Frazier pops up, or Todd who's from New Jersey, and a lot of people don't uh, talk about. That. Apparently uh, so. Yeah. I learned yeah. that today. The one that shocked me the most because I watched it this morning and it was 3 a.m. my time, and I was both excited to be watching it and questioning life decisions at the same time. That's it's just kind of my life anyway. But Danny Valencia playing oh, for. Yeah. Uh, Team Israel and Ian Kinsler. And by the way, Ian Kinsler is going to end his career with 1,999 career hits. That's hmm. so disappointing. Like I would, I would love to see a Mr. 3000 type thing where you just, yeah. uh, non if you're the Arizona Diamondbacks who you are to say you're out of playoff contention is the understatement of understatements. I'd love to see Ian Kinsler get like a week to try to get that hit. I think that would be yeah. so fun to see because ending with 1,999, that would bother me. Like, it would bug me that I didn't just get that one more. Because there's – the 2000 Hit Club is not exactly a oh. uh, huge club. I think yeah. it would be really cool. But to see Ian Kinsler and Danny Valencia play this morning was not necessarily what I was expecting. Yeah, I hear you. So yeah. when did Kinsler last play? Was it 20, 2019 with the Cubs think, or something? I think, I think that's correct. Um, it, it has been a little bit. And he has said that he has done – uh, playing for his uh, professionally after this Olympics is over. So he won't get that chance to uh, play again. 2019, actually for the Padres is who he's last played okay. uh, professionally okay. for. Yeah, I very, I, I kind of remember Kinsler like holding down a prospect or something like that, which is why he did. the, the yes. last time that I really remember him. That was yeah. Luis Urias. Yeah, that's uh, right. That's right. Prior to Gosh. the train. Oh, we're getting old, man. Yeah, that's yeah. Uh, that is. Uh, but yeah, he's really good career, but it would frustrate the heck out of me to not just get that one more chance at one more hit. Yeah. So let's get into we're not going to be comprehensive here. We're going to cherry pick some trades, um, cherry pick some some teams to talk about. So um, you mentioned the Giants and I I love this trade for the Giants. Mostly because it rewards a team who has surprised and gone beyond our expectations. Right. And for, I think, all season, we've been like, how are they doing this? So to get Chris Bryant to put in the middle of that lineup with some guys who, you know, sort of turn back the clock, Brandon Crawford, Buster Posey. Sure. Um, I, I think that's that's huge for them. Um, but you, you mentioned the return um, on this deal. And there was a... There was a rumored return that was out there. I don't <laughs> yeah. know what the hell that was about. <laughs> sure. Uh, <laughs> but you mentioned the return being a little underwhelming. I guess it's because of the money factor. Right. But if the, I guess the thing that I get confused about with these kind of things, like if you're the Cubs, like shouldn't you want to say like, no, we'll cover the salary. We want to get the best prospects, you know, we can, and you, you hold out until you can get that. Well, like, I don't understand the difference between the Mets and the Cubs. Like, where the Mets just like, we don't want to pay Baez. Like, you cover it and we'll give you one of our top five prospects. Like, I, I don't understand how that works. 
That it's a really weird one to me too. And all due respect to Alexander Canario, he's not by any means a bad prospect. A guy who was ranked probably uh, would have been ranked right around my top six or seven San Francisco Giant prospects. But a lot of risk and a long way to go before he's ready. It just is surprising to me that they are moving Chris Bryant, who is clearly a more productive player right now, for middling return, like a guy who is a ton of volatility, probably can't help you until like 2024, while Baez, who has – look, there's there's the, the value of being playing up the middle, but you're getting a – like pre-Crow Armstrong could very well be a well above or average regular someday. Like there is every tool here, especially defensively, super good defensive player. Um, it really doesn't make sense to me either. And then Caleb Killian, the, uh, the right-handed pitcher that they got in that trade as well, profiles is kind of a back-end guy who gets it more done with command than he does with stuff. 24 years old, and I don't believe he's played above double-A. That's always risky too. I was shocked by that, the lack of the return, especially compared to what some other players were getting over the weekend. Right, absolutely. Um, but huge for the Giants. And, and you see the Giants Massive. making it. You see the Giants making a move there. The Dodgers getting Max Scherzer, Trey, Ter- Trey Turner, and just the luxury of Danny Duffy maybe getting healthy and being, right. I don't know, a bullpen, multi-inning bullpen arm. We'll yeah. see. Could be great in that role. But absolutely. the Padres, who yesterday at a certain point, it looked like they were getting Max Scherzer. Didn't turn out that way. They didn't get Jose Barrios. So they settled today for Daniel Hudson, Jake Marisnik, Adam Frazier, you know, was really their big addition of right. the, the trade season. It is this a failure for the Padres? Because I think it kind of is. Yeah, I would say so. And one of the things I think that really hurt the Padres here is this was once among the best systems in baseball. But look, Mackenzie Gore, still considered a top prospect and for good reason, but no longer considered the best pitching prospect in baseball. C.J. Abrams out for the year with his injury. And then you have Luis Camposano and Robert Hassel. Hassel probably could have gotten you something, but they really like him. And Camposano is probably a guy they would have had to sell low. After that, the system kind of stinks. It's become a really poor system, unfortunately. And they do have some young talent they could have moved. But look. You're looking at that division right now, and I think it's fair to say that they're as talented as that team is, maybe third in that group right now, certainly putting the Dodgers above everybody. Um, but I think the Giants can make a real case, and they have the, the added fact that they are ahead right now. Yeah. San Diego, look, they have a window because they've got the best one of the best players in baseball signed to like 2088. But they also, <laughs> like, there there is a window here. You Darvish is not a spring chicken Uh Blake Snell, who they gave up quite a bit for, is not a guarantee to be a long-term starter. Chris Paddock has not developed into that long-term starter. There is a window here, and I do think that it is at the very least disappointing that they didn't come away with something. And I can't help but wonder what they were going to give up for Max Scherzer, too. Yeah, that's a good point. I wonder if if Gore could have been that guy, but obviously I, I think at this point it sounds crazy to say it, but you know Gore has been kind of a mess this year. Right. Um, to take Josiah Gray, who we've seen in the majors already and been really impressive, I, I can kind of understand why they go that direction. That's just me. Right. Yeah, I, I get that too, and it's like um, it's just real tough, and and it's it's tough too because. 
because of what has happened kind of with the baseball industry, like prospects becoming more popular, there's more, there is more prospect hoarding and I, I, I both understand it and hate it. Um, it's real tough to, uh, it's, it's easy to justify not doing things, especially with the core that you have, but at the same time, man, flags fly forever. And San yeah. Diego, San Diego would very much, I think, like to make sure that they get some world series out of this, knowing that, Fernando Tatis is the type of player that, like, even when you have your lull years, you've still got Fernando Tatis to build around when things are right. Yeah. So two selling teams. I want I want to compare their their philosophies here at the at the trade deadline. Sure. Uh, so the Nationals and the Twins. So yeah. So the Nationals trade Trey Turner, one of the best players in the game, along with Max Scherzer, one of the best pitchers in the game. Uh, of course, Scherzer is going to be a free agent after the season, but. The Dodgers will get another year of Trey Turner. Right. Seeing how these deals have worked out over the past day and with the Twins getting Austin Martin and Semyon Woods Richardson from the Blue Jays, did the Nationals do enough here? This is a tough one, and it kind of depends on what you think of Kiebert Ruiz because – there are some that I've talked to who believe that he is now a top 10 prospect in baseball. And if you've got a top 10 prospect in baseball, that's an awfully nice start, but you gave up an awful lot, like an awful lot of good, talented players. And I would say that your system still ranks among the worst in baseball. So yeah. to give up guys that are probably going to help if I, if, if I was a putting shekels down, the team that's going to win the World Series, and then a few teams uh, that are going to either compete for or play against or whatever. Like, they helped some playoff contenders very, very much, and they set themselves back quite a bit. It's very difficult for me to see the Nationals being contenders um, anytime soon. But look, I think the, the, the key here is Ruiz. If he is what the the second best catching prospect in baseball behind Adley Rutschman kind of fun that they're going to be playing pretty close to each other in a few a couple of years but uh if he is that guy who is a 60 hit 60 power quality defensive catcher who is and I hate the term cost controlled but is cost controlled for the next six years and if he develops into a star then yeah I think they did fine but like they didn't get an elite return for Kyle Schwarber at all they got a mid-rotation starter for him um I don't think that they got anything special in their trade for Daniel Hudson, who I think should have gotten more. Is probably the second best reliever in the market. We should probably talk about the first best yeah. reliever in the market in his trade. Yeah, but like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's um, it, I I was I would say I wasn't underwhelmed, but I certainly wasn't overwhelmed. But the key to that deal will obviously be Ruiz. Yeah, uh, and Francisco Alvarez with the Mets is is up there as far as a, a catching prospect. But sure. it seems like Ruiz's like stock has like gone drastically it was up really high for a while has, yeah. has gone down and now yeah. he's been really hot this sure. season so it's been i guess on the upswing so smart of the dodgers to to deal him when they have a i guess a surplus with will smith being there in the majors and they also uh, have diego cartea who is one of right. the best catching prospects in baseball too they're going to be just fine at that position for a long time the longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards the longest field goal ever missed also 76 yards why bring this up because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70 yard field goal it probably won't go well 
So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. Right. I, I think the Cubs did a great job uh, bringing some names in here who I think could make like big impacts very, very soon. I mean, Nick Madrigal. We'll get into that trade right now. Why don't we do that? So yeah. the White Sox... I don't think anybody thought that they were going to be the fit for Craig Kimbrell. Um, uh, that kind of came out of nowhere, but I love it. Yeah, I, I think it's awesome. I was mentioning earlier this week, like the Mets should have gone for Kimbrell. When you're looking at like run prevention, like sure. it, it wouldn't be an insult to Edwin Diaz to say like, no, nah, we're bringing in Craig Kimbrell. You know, like we just want to win games like who cares you know exactly uh so i love this i think it's awesome i feel bad for fantasy managers who now are totally confused yeah uh (laughs) but yeah this is this is an awesome deal uh the white Sox got cesar hernandez uh ryan tapera mvp vote getter uh (laughs) as well uh so and they're getting their outfield healthy like it's really hard to poke holes in in the white Sox as they attempt to go for it this year, but to see Nick Madrigal go in that deal was, was definitely a shocker. I mean, I was stunned and there were a lot of big deals that stunned me over the last, uh, however long it's been, but like, this was a real shocker. And I get Nick Madrigal is a flawed baseball player. He's not going to hit for a lot of power. He's not a superstar defensive player at second baseman. He's certainly fine there to, to quote a word that is now a word, he's perfectly cromulent at second base. There's nothing <laughs> wrong with him there. And he's, but what his strengths are just as obvious. Like he can hit for average with the best of them. He is almost like it's, it sounds hyperbolic, but like he's very, very difficult to strike out. I was going to say impossible, but it's not. But it's very difficult to strike him out because of how compact his swing is. And he's not just a guy who just dinks and dunks the baseball. He does make some hard contact. It's just usually lines for singles instead of homers, which makes him you know, in terms of fantasy, a little bit of a flawed player because you're going to have to take the hit. You're just not going to get more than eight to 10 homers with him at very much. But he's going to hit for like 315, 320 a lot of times. It wouldn't shock me if he had a couple of seasons of higher and at your very worst, you're looking 280, 290. And I think he's going to get a chance to run more in the National League. The the it, the White Sox, you know, they, they let guys run a little bit more, but they're not uh, certainly not a, a, a super green light team. So I think he's going to get a chance to run more. And then I think the other thing here is Hewer's a really nice get too. I think that Mm -hmm. could be the closer of the future. And I would, if I was the Mm -hmm. Cubs, 
I'd give him a chance to get saves right now. Now, the like issue it. here is I don't think the Cubs are going to have a ton of save chances based on the lineup I saw them run out today. Yeah. Oof, that was Yeah, that was, Nationals <laughs> Cubs going head yeah, to head. That's the yeah, saddest that, series ever. Yeah, that was that was pretty bad. That was that gave me some uh early 2010 like uh, Clippers versus Bobcats type vibes <laughs> to be honest with you. But um but yeah, a fascinating trade um and Nick Madrigal, certainly, I like. I understand that the lack of power makes him frustrating, but he can be a well above average fantasy regular at second base for a very long time. So one team I thought did a pretty good job here over the past couple of weeks, uh, the Braves. So, yeah. you know, you lose Ronald Acuna Jr., which obviously you're not replacing him. Uh, yeah. Marcelo Zuna, who knows when we'll see him again. Um, so go out and get Jock Peterson first. I like that. Yeah. But today they get Adam Duvall, who they probably should have never right. gotten rid of. Yeah. Uh, Eddie Rosario, who's hurt right now, but he'll be back soon. Jorge Soler, who's been really hot recently. Shouldn't really yes. be playing the outfield, but definitely yeah. can swing the bat. Um, and then Richard Rodriguez, the, the Pirates closer. I think all around the Braves did a, a great job. Um, I still have questions about their rotation. Sure. But – you know, they should get Travis Darno back soon, um, lengthen that lineup a bit more. Like, I think they're perfectly capable of chasing down the Mets, to be honest. Absolutely. And look, that, that's the team they do have to chase down because you have to just basically say the wild cards are done. The the the, the three teams, it, we don't know the order, but the three teams for the NL wild, the, the NL West is going to have both wild card spots. Yeah. I'm glad you brought up Solaire, like, I did a, a recently a profile on him for our Yahoo video series. Like, yeah, his he's hitting 192 and he's only slugging 370. It might be the most unlucky 370 slugging percentage I've ever seen because every hard hit percentage thing he ranks high in, like in the yeah. high 90th percentile. I love that fit. It wouldn't shock me at all if he got hot and uh, yeah. and helped them quite a bit because he certainly is hot right now. Uh, of 13 yeah. homers and he was at like seven or eight, like a very short few days ago. So, so I like that. And I like that they did all of this, you know, without giving up top prospects or really yeah. anything close. Like this is a, they said, all right, let's make this team better without touching. And look, the brave system is great, but there are some guys that, you know, like a drew waters or Christian Pache that certainly could have been uh, moved if they were, but they, they saw it, kind of smell blood in the water type of thing where look, we just can do make these small little improvements to make this team better without gutting the farm system. I love when teams do that. It is so much better than the alternative of just standing pat and hoping things work out. Yeah, Bryce Wilson went to the Pirates. Like, I feel like we've been waiting on Bryce Wilson for the past like two or three years. Sure. I don't know what the upside is there, but at least in Pittsburgh, like he'll get a chance. Absolutely. And, yeah, he'll get a chance to sink or swim. I think that's what he's needed to do for a while. I think he could be pretty useful for a few years. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a good call. And I want to say the same thing for Michael Chavis. I think that, you know, that's a, a very interesting by low thing. Look, it hasn't worked out so far, but at one point, this is one of the better infield prospects in baseball. And it looks like he's going to get uh, a chance to get some playing time there, or at least he should. There's no point in making that trade and not playing and seeing what you have in Michael Chavis. I, I really actually liked what Pittsburgh did. I, I know it's frustrating because that team is a long long way away from contention but you can see the plan there and seeing the plan there is something that we really haven't seen in pittsburgh for quite a bit 
Did you like the return they got for Adam Fraser? I know Marcano, like, is pretty good. Like, pretty yeah. decent prospect. Yeah. Um, I, I think it was okay. Now, for talking to people, they love Marcano. Like, they think he has a chance to be a really, really good player. They love the fact that he's already, like, people forget that this guy's still 21 years old. This is a right. young player um, who has elite contact skills, something that you really can't teach. A, a possible swing change guy, you know, that you could see to maybe add some power because he certainly has strong wrists. Um, that's one of the key things for these guys that you can't just make them swing uppercut and hope that it's going to work out. You have to have a little bit of the tools to do that. I, I didn't love the other pieces that those guys are clearly um, basically fill-ins, but I don't think they probably could have gotten a better player that they liked, if that makes sense. Certainly, I wasn't no. overwhelmed by the trade, but I certainly get why they were interested in him because he has a skill set that's very difficult to replicate. Yeah, uh, you know, my I questioned it because I was like, it was still like five, six days out from the trade deadline. I was kind of like, that's a great point. Do they really need to do it at that time? But right. you know, different organizations valued you know different players differently. So like, sure. if if they really fell in love with Marcano and that's who they yeah. had their eye on, like, sure, they did it. You know, and we'll see what happens. And it works the other way too. But like, just talking about the Jose Barrios trade. Um, I got a text very shortly after I raved about it, and they just basically said, look, Toronto's not in love with Austin Martin, and Toronto is not in love with Simeon Woods Richardson. They like them. They wouldn't have acquired them in the first place if they didn't like them, but they're not convinced that these guys are star players. Now, I disagree with them wholeheartedly on Austin Martin. I think Austin Martin, especially in fantasy, is a top 10 prospect. I love his skill set. I get that he hasn't hit for a lot of power yet. But he has every tool that you need to be a quality fantasy player and every tool you need to be a quality real life player, too. Those two things do need to go hand in hand. It's just it may take a little bit longer because they're, the lack of power is legit and he's going to have to do a swing change to not be a like he's hit two homers this year in 55 games. That's not good. He also has a 424 on base percentage in 55 games, which in his first professional season, too. Let us not yeah. forget that. That Austin Martin was a first-round pick last year yeah. and in double-A has a 424 on base percentage. But look, at, at, at Toronto, if, in Toronto is absolutely loaded with shortstop prospects. Oh, and by the way, they have Bo Bichette, who's probably going to be uh, an okay player there for a little while. Um, so, like, they can afford to make that type of move. But look, it's, it's what happens with these deadline things is that they don't just look at a list of rankings. They have to actually like the player. And yeah, if, totally. if, if, if is a better, some players are better organizational fits than others. Twins have done pretty well with players like Austin Martin. So I'm very excited to see what he can do. And speaking of, you know, young players who I guess their stock has changed dramatically over the past year. I think a lot of people are shocked to see Jesus Lazardo go to the Marlins for Starling Marte and then also Spencer Howard go to the Rangers yeah. in, a, in a deal that sends Kyle Gibson and Ian Kennedy um, to the Phillies. But also Hans Kraus goes to the Phillies in that deal. So I was fascinated by that Phillies trade. But I think a lot of people were shocked to see Lozardo a year ago. Yeah. Might have been like, as far as like fantasy is concerned, like the most exciting pitching prospect. Sure. Uh, to go to the Marlins in that trade, I think, shocked a lot of people, too. I was stunned. I, I talked to Meg Rally about this in our podcast, and it was – I like to trade for both teams. Look, Oakland is – has. you talk about a team with a window. I think everybody thinks of Oakland as this team with just a bunch of young 
talented players. No, there is an absolute window in Oakland right now. And I love the trade that they made, by the way, for Jan Gomez and Josh Harrison, too. Like, perfect fit for that organization without having to give up too much. But look, I like Lazardo in Miami, too. Miami is very, very good with pitching right now. Maybe mm-hmm. the best that in baseball right now in terms of developing young pitching, which is weird to say because for years they weren't good at anything. Let's just be honest. They just weren't because they didn't spend the necessary money to get good at things. But I like it. I like it for Miami. I think that he is a guy who it's easy to give up on these type of guys. And it's easy to look at his AAA numbers. I want to point out he's pitching in about as unfriendly of confines as possible in uh, AAA. And I know those numbers are bad, but Las Vegas Fun place to go on vacation, not a fun place to go pitch baseballs. It is not (laughs) something that I would recommend to anybody. Still a huge fan. And since you brought up Spencer Howard, I thought that was the most lopsided in terms of return. Look, I'll just be honest with you right now. I am not believing in either of the pitchers that Philadelphia got. I I just don't. I, I don't. I don't have any confidence in those guys helping carry a team to a division. And Spencer Howard, look, he hasn't been good. But there have been just enough flashes. And even if he's just that bulk middle relief guy, he could be a really, really good bulk middle inning relief guy because he can miss plenty of bats. Yeah, it's pretty shocking they gave up on him so quickly. That feels like a a trade that would have happened in like 2009. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. uh, and I guess, I mean, Dave Dombrowski made the trade. So, I, you know, everyone has different styles. Um, but, yeah, I, I think uh, clearly the Phillies realized that defense was a problem because they went and got Freddie Galvis. Right. Um, so that helps, I guess, Kyle Gibson a little bit. But he was already regressing. And, yeah. I, I, you know, I expect that to continue. Ian Kennedy's a nice story. But, uh, yeah, going to Philadelphia in that ballpark in the oh. in the summertime – I, I don't know. I, I don't see that being a, being a great mix. It doesn't really move the needle for them. Uh, I think if you, the Mets, if you're the Mets, you're more worried about the Braves than the, than the Phillies. I 100% agree. And and all due respect to the Phillies too, who have hopefully Bryce Harper is okay with the back issue and uh, uh, Reese Hoskins with the groin issue. That kind of when those two things happen, I was kind of like, oh, they're really probably going into selfing. But then that Brad Miller walk off Grand Slam happens and maybe yeah. changes things around a little bit. But I do like the Galvis thing. And Hans Krauss, on top of having a name that sounds like a uh, a villain from the 1980s, good, <laughs> good stuff. There was a reason yeah. this guy was a very high draft pick. Has struggled to stay healthy and has really struggled to locate it. But let you know, if you're giving up a Spencer Howard, it's nice to get some upside back. That yeah. you know, it could make things look a little bit better. But I will say this: if there was like one trade we look back on and we just go, "What the heck were you thinking?" I think it might be that one with all due respect to the Minnesota Jose Barrios trade as well. Um, you know, that could happen, but the fact that Barrios is signed long-term and has looked really, really good, not long-term, but signed for another year. Um, but that, that trade that really had me head scratched. So we'll get to uh, a couple teams. I want to ask you about in a second, but first a quick offer for our listeners use promo code bases 10 for 10% off any premium subscription for NBC sports edge plus can be either monthly or annual and for any tier. It also works across all sports, which is really nice with football ramping up very soon. Our, our football draft guide is live right now, so definitely check that out. Remember, it's promo code BASES10. Uh, you can go to NBC Sports Edge slash premium to get started. We also have our new app, which you can download 
Um, what was great about doing this show with you, Chris, is that I didn't have to refresh Twitter. Like it's all over now, <laughs> but I would still highly recommend uh, to download the app. You can set player alerts. You know, if you if you are playing fantasy football, you know we're we're in mini camps and, and there's injuries and it's NBA draft time, so it'll be NBA free agency. So it's really handy for that. Also, you can access our our articles from there too. So it's really cool. Uh, definitely check it out if you haven't already. So before we go, let's let's get into uh, a couple of teams. And these were my only notes before the show started. I think I told you this. Um, the Rockies, what are they doing? <laughs> it's it's probably the easiest question to answer too because nothing, just 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 nothing, hanging out. I like. Look, I get that there is a chance that the compensation pick they get for Trevor Story leaving is better than a prospect they were offered, right? Yeah. But this is a PR nightmare. And now you have a very unhappy Trevor Story playing the next two months with you. And apparently, yeah. uh, apparently, look, that, that does matter. I mean, like, look, it, how much worse can things get? They have no shot at making the playoffs. Right. But, like, it's just, like, especially you look, too, and, like, why was Trevor Story not traded a week and a half after they traded Nolan Arenado? And that sure. is the ultimate ownership failure. The fact that, you know, they saw their comments. I, I'm sure you did about, uh, we're not other teams' farm systems. Well, yeah, you're not because you don't have enough good players to give other people to be a farm system right now. Uh, yeah. Not a good farm system anyway. It's just an absolute. And then John Gray, like, I get that they may be kind of close to an extension with him. But the, the value on John Gray is never going to be higher. Like, it's this is the time to move him. So unless you get an extension done with him, because you're not going to be able to offer him that compensation thing unless you get a deal with done with Trevor Story, good luck. Um, I just think this was a unmitigated disaster to not get these deals done for the Rockies. Yeah, I, I agree. I saw Trevor's story was scratched from the lineup tonight. And I, I, I made a joke, like maybe they think the trade deadline still first. <laughs> it should be the 31st, by the yeah. way. Uh, I don't really, I don't really get why that happened, but yeah, that's, that's just such a bummer. I feel bad for Rockies fans because they've just handled so many things poorly. And this is just the latest example. Yeah, I, I I can't remember who like they, they obviously they they've overhauled their front office like three right. three uh three of their executives have left uh I it's escaping me the name of the of their acting general manager right now Bill Schmidt a, yeah yeah he's a draft guy so there's some speculation that he's happy to hold on to Story because he wants that that pick I I just think that's a huge mistake I I I, I and I'm a draft guy too I literally made my living at it for a very long time. But I have to think that there would have been a prospect that would have been worth pick 38 or whatever the heck they're going to get for Trevor Story. Yeah. Uh, the Cardinals were my other what are they doing. Uh, <laughs> get John Lester and Jay Happ. They're what, like seven, nine games out of the wild, the, the Central and the wild card? Like, I, I don't know what's going on there either. I guess there's really no – there's no cost really involved here. Um but it's just a weird, weird really, move. Really weird. And I'm glad you brought up St. Louis because Drew tweeted at us first a picture of a very delicious looking spaghetti. And now recently just tweeted at us a picture of his dessert. You know, it's <laughs> fine that he's, he's sharing off. I'm just happy that he's not eating crappy pizza and he's eating actual <laughs> real food. Good for you, Drew. I'm very happy for you. Um, 
But these moves made no sense to me. Like, John Gantz, I, I get that his contract isn't great. I'd rather have John Gantz than both of those guys. Like, because he offers that versatility of, look, I can either pitch him in the bullpen or I can have him be my five-inning, two-run guy. I know what I'm going to get from John Gantz. John Lester and uh, <laughs> J.A. Happ are basically done in terms of being reliable pitchers. And here's the other thing. If you're going to do this, why not just go sign Cole Hamels, who was looking yeah. better than both of these guys? And now this doesn't completely keep them from signing Cole Hamels. But if you're Cole Hamels, I'm probably not wanting to go to St. Louis now. Yeah. I want to go to a team that's going to give me a better chance to pitch. I don't get it. I don't I don't think that they had to be sellers by any means because, you know, most of that team is still under contract for the next year. And um, hopefully Nolan Arenado will be under contract there for the next year and stuff. But it doesn't really make sense for me to for them to be buying fifth starters at best either. I didn't get that at all. Yeah. So just to close things out here, uh, I kind of want to get into just a couple of names I noticed who who stayed put. Rice Iglesias with the Angels. After Kimbrel got traded, I thought it would have made all the sense in the world for for the Angels to to see what they could get there because he clearly would be the top uh, closer option out there. Would be a rental, so the cost wouldn't be crazy, but I was a little surprised to see him stick around. Byron Buxton, sort of mid-afternoon, we heard some some discussions there, but ultimately didn't come to a head. Michael Pineda stayed with the Twins, too, which I thought was a little bit curious. Yeah. Um, especially from a Mets perspective, because I thought he would have been perfect for that depth role, and someone you could start, and it would, it would be totally respectful to me. Um, yeah. Yeah, those guys are all I, I, I would expected to be on the move. Um, Jonathan Scope was another guy that I thought yeah, might be, yeah. would have been moved. I thought he made a ton of sense for Seattle as a guy who could have been a, a just a stopgap uh, bench type, uh, you know, not not a, a flawed baseball player, but certainly can hit. But the Iglesias one, that's a great point. Like, you have to think there were some really good offers there for him. And yeah, I just yeah. think the Angels are really struggling. Yeah, it's really struggling with the fact that they want guys to come check out, watch the best player in baseball. And, you know, yeah, you're going to yeah. have hopefully Mike Trout coming back and those guys in look. But after what the Yankees did and what the A's did, I don't think there's any shot they have to catch those teams. Yeah, you yeah. might as well get ready to be a contender in 2022. What's that, What's that tweet that, that goes out like pretty much every night? Otani, like, <laughs> Mike Trout gets four hits, Otani hits the ball like 500 feet, and the Angels lose 16 to three. That's exactly it. <laughs> it's unfortunately, it's just going to be like keep adding. Please do not waste these players. Anaheim Angels. Yeah. And I'm going to yeah. call them Anaheim Angels forever. Please do not waste <laughs> Shohei Otani and Mike Trout and Anthony Rendon. And then and Joe Adele, hopefully someday too. By the way, Joe Adele just keeps crushing the baseball. Do not give up on Joe Adele. I'm going to say that in every single podcast that I get invited to. Do not give That's up on Joe Adele. Understandable. <laughs> so Luke Voigt stayed put too. We heard some yeah. uh, trade discussions about that. He's kind of in my, my fantasy loser category because – I don't think Stanton's going to play in the outfield regularly. So, I, you know, Voight's, I, I think it's smart for the Yankees to keep him because Rizzo's going to be a free agent. But that pretty much tanks Voight's uh, value in fantasy leagues for the remainder of the season. I think if you have Ian Kennedy, you can drop him. If you have Brad Hand, you can drop him probably. Jordan yeah. Romano's probably going to get a good portion of those saves there. 
Yimi Garcia with the Astros, you can drop him as well. Sure. I think Adam Frazier with the Padres really complicates things for, for Eric Hosmer, who was mentioned in trades too, but um, staying put, and I, I think he's pretty much droppable as well. Yeah, I think – I mean, honestly – I think Eric Hosmer might have been droppable anyway, just because yeah. like, the positional value and he just hasn't hit a, a better real life player because he's a pretty good defensive player and he obviously has some clubhouse value. Seems to be very popular wherever he goes, so there there is that to it. But that doesn't help you. Um, what about Kendall Graveman? Do you think he's droppable now, or is that yeah a situation? I think yeah. he is. Yeah, I would go with that too. The thing about Kendall Graveman, and it's why. Like, you can't drop a Craig Kimbrell anyway because he's been so important to you. Yeah. But Craig, Craig Kimbrell, even if he is in a setup role specifically, is going to strike out 13 to 14 batters per nine innings. Yeah. Kendall Graveman is still a guy who is, you know, he's not by any means just completely relying on defense, but he's more of that 9 to 10 type of thing. You can find these type of pitchers on the waiver wire. And unless uh, something was to happen with Presley where Graveman becomes the closer or if you find out that they move – Presley back into a setup role. I think you kind of have to drop him. Um, but man, that if you, I feel bad. There's got to be some people who have Hendricks and Kimbrell on their roster right now who oh, are yeah. just banging their heads against doors right now because what a frustrating situation. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so Diego Castillo probably going to be the closer for the Mariners. I thought it was going to be Paul Seawald after the the trade, right? Um, but they get Castillo, who's you know perfectly respectable. Yeah. Um, and I think they're going to have him under team control for three years as well. Um, he's pretty good. He's yeah. pretty good. Um, so I think he's going to, I mean, he was already getting some saves with the races or with the Rays this year. So he's probably rostered in a lot of leagues, but you're going to want to pick him up. Uh, Anthony Bender with the Marlins, uh, is probably going to be a popular pickup as well. If he, right. if he wasn't already picked up, uh, Dylan Floro's in that mix as well. I think it gets messier beyond that with, with some of the other teams that have, traded off closers Kyle Finnegan with the Nationals got a, a save yesterday um but we'll see we'll see how that goes um Spencer Patton with the Rangers I've heard that um now that Ian Kennedy's been traded we'll see the Cubs is kind of a mess the uh but you did mention uh Cody uh here is it how do you pronounce that I think it's Hewer, but I've heard a whole bunch I wish I had the pronunciation Hewer. Hewer. Yeah. yeah open up Cody uh, Hewer. Uh, speaking of those guys, uh, a name that I think I just did a blurb on not too long ago. What about Nick Anderson? Is that a guy you're looking uh, to add right now? I mean, we'll see. I, I know he started a rehab assignment. Um, Moved to Durham who, a couple of days ago. So yeah. Well, I haven't heard like the you know the velocity reports on him. Um, we'll see. And you know, we remember uh, during the postseason last year how much of a mess he was. Right. Do they throw them right into high leverage situations where they're fighting for a division title? I don't know. I don't yeah, know. It's just tough because that that bullpen is so injury depleted right now. Like Pete Fairbanks is on uh, the injured list. The, uh, I believe JP Fireson might still be on the injured list as yeah, well. So is. this is mm-hmm. like so this is a situation like opportunity certainly exists. And when he's at his best, I mean he's up there with the the better relievers, but I think a lot of all there's always a lot of volatility with Nick Anderson it seems like because of the fact the Rays just aren't going to have that set set closer but I think especially yeah. now but if you're looking for if you're like desperate in needs of saves and with only two months left of the season you just might be that's that's a name I think I'd maybe considering 
I know the Nationals are sending Josiah Gray and, and Kiebert Ruiz to AAA. Yes. How long do you think they stay there? Um, do they get a real chance here down the stretch, you think? Yeah, I think that because of what they did, I think they do get a chance down the stretch. Like there are – there's a clip with Jan Gomez gone. There's a clear opening at – catcher for for keep it Ruiz who's already on the 40-man roster and has already played this year so um don't don't have to worry too much about the service time manipulation stuff with that situation and Gray I want to know what I have in Gray like I like Josiah Gray a lot one of the most talented pitchers in baseball but I want to see what he is I want to give him that chance to throw five six innings to actually give him that chance whether the Nationals will or not is another question altogether um, especially in a year where it, it's over. That, like, if that team made the playoffs, it would be the greatest story. You, you would literally, NBC Universal would have that movie, like, in <laughs> ready to go as soon as possible if they were to make the postseason after all of this. But if I'm them, I'm absolutely finding out what Gray is. And then when they get that chance, like, you just have to Google some of his pitches. Like, there's so much movement on that dude's stuff. Is every chance to be successful. He will rank very high on my top 10 list on Monday. Cool. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, that's pretty much it for me for trade deadline stuff. Yeah. I've had my fill until next July yes. uh, or maybe the winter meetings. Um, yeah. But what was interesting about this trade deadline, there is no August trade deadline this year. There's no waiver trade deadline. So I think that's why we saw so much of aggressiveness um, this week and over the past uh, 24 hours. So it was it was fascinating. It was it was fun. Yeah. Uh, and we'll see what happens over these final two months. I can't wait. Like I, there's there's so many teams still in contention still. Um, I think the Yankees got so much better with the moves they made and they're getting healthier. They're probably going to get Luis Severino back, too. That could be huge for that team. I mean. There's just and that division is just loaded outside of Baltimore. Hopefully, Baltimore is the team we're talking about in a couple of years. But uh, but yeah, it's going to be so much fun. And uh, I have a pretty good website that you can go to check everything out. Uh, NBCSportsEdge.com. That's definitely what wow. I would do. I like it. I like yeah. to. I like. I like the plug. Yes. Uh, so yeah, man, this was fun. Uh, really thanks fun. for doing it. Uh, not too bad for a Friday night. No. Uh, yeah. It's pretty fun. Um, yeah. So yeah. If, if you like what you're hearing with this show, Circling the Bases, be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review if you don't mind. Follow us on Twitter if you don't already. I'm at DJ Short. Chris is Crawford underscore M-I-L-B. Be safe out there. Have a good weekend. And we will see you next time. Love you, Dom Smith. Justin and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. 